Welcome to the Milestone Church Podcast. Whether you are at home, on the road, or at work, we hope you find this message encouraging and helpful for your life. You can watch other messages just like this one on our website at milestonechurch.com slash messages. Good morning. I want to welcome those who are watching online. I want to take a moment to welcome our McKinney and our Haslett campus. Can we welcome this, them this morning? Let's give them a hand for all of you who are joining us now and those on a later date. We're so excited. We're starting a two-week, uh, two-part series this week uh, called Engage. And, you know, every year we get a word from our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff, for the year, and we get it around January. And the word for this year is engage. And so I want to just define what that means, the word engage. Engage is this. It's to give attention to something. It's to begin and to carry on an activity. And here's what we believe about this word. We believe that at whatever level we engage this year in the things of God will determine the course and outcome of our year. Uh, we just finished an eight-week series called Promises. How many of you enjoyed that series, Promises? I loved it. Uh, we talked through several different promises in the Bible, and uh, I'm sure many of you th- through the weeks have maybe grabbed a couple of promises, something that relate to your life, something that you're holding on to, something that you're believing God for. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to take the word engage, right, to give attention to something. I want to give that word in our promises series. I want to bring those two together, and I want to connect them for you this morning because it's one thing to have a promise from God. It's another thing to see that promise come to pass in our lives. And so when I get a word, when I get a promise from God, there's this middle ground, this process called waiting. And what I want to talk about this morning is what do we do in that waiting process? process. So I've entitled this message this morning, Engage in the Waiting. Now, I'll just be honest. I'm probably like many of you. I'm not very good at waiting. There, there's a few things that I'll, I'll, I'll gladly wait for, like my wife and I who are going on a great dinner date, you know, and we're going to eat at just a phenomenal restaurant. I'll eat like a bird throughout the day and like expend all the calories, right? Get the full experience at the meal. But there's some other things that like I just don't like waiting for, like trains. Like we have a bunch of trains around here and just kind of like it's an inconvenience, right? After school traffic is another one. Just a couple weeks ago, my wife and I were out at a funeral and we were coming back and we went to pick our daughter up from school. And as we picked her up, I mean, the traffic is just bumper to bumper. And I think we sat through a red light cycle at least three times. And I think we moved five feet. And in that moment, I got really anxious and I felt like a caged animal. And I almost opened the door and just ran home because I could have got there faster. You know, sometimes when it comes to waiting, there's, there's things that are funny. But if you're waiting for a doctor's report, if you're waiting for, for news, if you have something bad or not, I mean, that waiting can be serious. If you're waiting for something to happen in a loved one's life or God to show up, that, that waiting, that process can be very serious. And so I want to bring these two things together. And I'm going to look at Psalms 27. And we're actually going to read the whole Psalm. It's 14 verses. And what I love about the Psalms, especially the Psalms that David wrote, is that when we read the Psalms, David 
is really kind of like just, he's full of emotion. I mean, with David, you, you know what you're gonna get because David was a man who wasn't afraid to worship God. He wasn't afraid to just go all in, but, but he was a guy that you didn't want to cross either. Like he was, he was a bad guy. He was a great warrior, one of Israel's greatest warriors. And so, but, but when you read the Psalms that he's written specifically, you see this tension in his prayers. It's like there's times where he's wondering, God, do you even hear me? God, do you even see me? Do you even know what I'm going through? And, and, and I, I take comfort in that because there's times in my life where I pray that I feel the same way. And I'm like, God, do you even know what I'm going through? Do you even, you know, hear my prayers? And so I wanna read together this morning, I want us to read this Psalms, and I want you to think about your life, and I want you to think about something that you're believing God for, a promise, and we're gonna talk about the waiting. Let's pick it up in verse one, it says this. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing that I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in times of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will bring sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry my voice. Have mercy upon me and answer me. When you said, seek my face, my heart said to you, your face, Lord, I will seek. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger, for you have been my help. Do not leave me nor forsake me, O God of my salvation. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take care of me. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me in a smooth path because of my enemies. Do not deliver me over to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and such as breathe out violence. I love this part, he says this. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's what we just sung about. Verse 14 says this, wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning, God. And Lord, we ask that you would open up our hearts to receive your word. God, we thank you that your word is living, active, and powerful, and I pray that it would find good soil in our hearts and bear fruit in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So waiting on the Lord is this theme throughout scripture. You see it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. There's so many different scriptures where it talks about waiting on God. And when you and I think of the word wait, we think of, you know, like, like sometimes I think, I'm, I'm waiting for my daughter to finish getting ready and run down the stairs with her shoes in her hands and off to school. But that's not really the kind of waiting that the Bible's talking about. When the Bible's talking about waiting, it's synonymous with faith. So when we wait on God, we're holding fast to what he says. 
When we're waiting on God, we put trust in the gap. We put trust in the process of this is what God said, and I'm standing in the gap, and I'm going to trust God to believe that what he said is going to come to pass. It's an active waiting process. And here's what we need to understand, that while we are waiting, God is working. See, we rest when we're tired. God rests when he's finished. Let me say that again. We rest when we're weary and we're tired, but God rests when he's finished. So if God hasn't delivered that promise to fruition in your life, you can take it to the bank that God is working on your behalf. That God is moving in the unseen realm and things that you can't see and understand, but God is working for you. The Bible says that God's word will not go into the earth and return back to him void. So that tells me that I can trust God, and if he's given me a promise in his word, I can take that to the bank, I can stand on it. This is not like a name it and claim it kind of thing, I can just ask God for anything, but according to the promises, they're all yes and amen in Christ. That waiting process is so important because that's where God strengthens us. That's where God tests our resolve. That's where we find out what really level of faith and trust do we really have in God? Do we really believe that God is good even when I can't see it? Do I really believe that God is faithful even when it hasn't come to pass? Do I really believe that God has my best interest in mind when that door hasn't opened yet? We need to learn to wait and wait well and know that God's working. I heard a story a while back in, in an old textile mill there were these posters on the wall and the poster said this, it says, if your thread gets tangled, call the foreman. So one day this young lady started a new job at this textile mill and she was briefed on what she should do if that would happen. And so as her day's going by, she's working and then her thread gets tangled. And then she tries to untangle it, but the more that she's messing with the thread, it gets worse and it gets worse until it's a big ball of mess. And in her frustration, she calls for the foreman. The foreman shows up and he looks at that and he knows exactly what happened. He said, why didn't you call me when your thread got tangled? And in frustration, she said, well, I did the best I could. He said, no, you didn't do your best because your best was to call me as you were instructed. Oftentimes, I think we're like that young lady. Whenever we have something going on in our life, we try to fix it ourselves. If God doesn't show up in our timing, we try to sort it out ourselves. We try, and all we do is end up making a bigger mess out of our situation and out of our circumstance. The moral of that story is this we need to wait on God and His timing because His timing is best, and never ever forget that just because I don't see that God is working on my behalf doesn't mean that God is not working. I want to give us this morning. I want to give us five ways that you and I can actively engage in this waiting process. I've got a promise from God. I got a word from God. So what do I do in this time? And here are five things that I believe that you and I can do that will help us in this waiting process. Number one, the first one is this. It's to speak the word. Psalms 27 starts off amazingly. David is surrounded by some enemies, but this is what he says. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I love Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says this. 
It says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I learned this principle very early on when I gave my life to Jesus at 19 years old. I learned that words are like seeds. That you can sow either good seeds into your life or you can sow bad seeds into your life. And make no mistake about it, you will reap a harvest. And for 19 years, I had sowed negativity into my life. I sowed critical words over myself and other people and over my circumstances, and all I got was pain and heartache. So when I gave my life to Jesus and I found this scripture in the Bible, I understood that words have power. Change your words, you'll change your life. If we can fill our home with hell, we can fill our home with heaven by the words that we speak. And all of a sudden, here's what I decided to do. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in God's word, and I'm going to exchange this negative bag of seed, and I'm going to find the biggest bag of, bag of seed of God's word that I can get. And I began to write down every promise that I could find in the Bible, and every scripture that talked about who I was in Christ, my identity, and I wrote them down on three by five cards. And every single day, multiple times a day, as a young believer, I would speak those words over my life. I would confess those words over my life. I would pray those words over my life. And I've got to be honest, for about the first three months, I didn't believe a word that I was saying. I didn't believe anything about what God said about me, because I didn't see myself that way. But all of a sudden, I just kept sowing seed into my life, over my circumstances, into the soil of my heart, and all of a sudden, I started bearing a different kind of fruit. I started to see myself differently. I noticed that my outlook had changed. I noticed that my faith had increased. I noticed the way that I walked and I had a relationship with God and other people changed. Hebrews 13, five says this, therefore by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips. What this scripture tells us is this, it's not just when I feel good. It's not just when everything's going all right in my life. In fact, the greatest times of our lives where we need to speak and sow God's word is when things aren't going well, when we're in the gap, while we're waiting for the promise, when circumstances don't look like they're gonna get a positive result. That is when you need to sow God's seed into your life the most. That's why I love worship. If I could live my life with my, my headphones on and listen to worship 24-7, I probably would do that. Because I love God's wor word so much that when I worship, I'm just singing God's word. I'm speaking it out, and it all of a sudden, it changes. It changes my, my outlook. It changes my soul. It was in Mark chapter 11 that Jesus said, speak to the mountain. Say to the mountain, it will be uprooted and cast into the sea. If you're facing a mountain in your life, may I encourage you to speak to your mountain. Speak God's word over your circumstance. Speak God's word over your situation. You know, my wife and I, we were part of the original 32 who planted this church almost 20 years ago. And I was a student pastor for about 16 years. And I remember early on, we would go to our retreats and our camps, and wherever they would be, I would get there early, hours early. And after checking into you know, uh, my room or whatever it was, I began to walk the property. 
And for hours, I would make laps around the property, and I would go into every dorm room, every camp room, and I'd begin to speak God's word over every student and every leader that would show up that weekend. God, I'm believing for salvation, Lord, for those who are lost. God, I'm believing for deliverance from those, Lord, who have addiction. God, I believe for healing of hearts and emotions, God, because only you can heal our hearts. And God, I'm asking you to show up and do what no man can do. Why would I do that? Because I understand this, that we need God to show up on our behalf, that we can't do it in our own strength. And I would see year after year after year, God show up and do amazing things. Number two, the second way to engage in the waiting is to seek God's presence. Psalms 27 verse four says this, one thing I've desired of the Lord, that I will seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David's greatest desire wasn't victory over his enemies. His greatest desire wasn't fame. His greatest desire was to be in God's presence because he knew that's where his help came from. I think if David had it his way, he would have just set up shop in the temple and he would have just stayed there by God's presence. But thank God in Jesus Christ that through the cross that you and I don't have to have sleeping bags in the church house, amen? That we can experience God's presence wherever we go. Wherever you go, you can encounter God through the Holy Spirit. He's made it available to us. What does it mean, though, to seek God's presence? What does it mean to pursue that? Well, it's to have an intimate and deeper relationship with God. So many people settle on second and third-hand information about who God is when God himself wants to reveal himself to you. He desires to meet with you. He desires to walk with you. He desires to share time in his heart with you. It looks different for everyone. For some people, it could be like your favorite chair in the morning with a cup of coffee and your Bible and a journal. And for you, that's just awesome. God shows up and he meets you there. For me, it, I, I can't do, I have to have a lot of caffeine before I read the Bible, you know what I'm saying? So like, I can't do it first thing in the morning. So it's usually late at night, 10, 11 o'clock at night, is when I'm in my garage and I'm working out and I'm by myself and everyone else has kind of settled down in the days there and I can just focus on God and I worship God and I have to be active. Just the other day, I went on a five mile walk and, and I just was worshiping God and seeking God and praying for you this weekend and that's how I connect with God. Here's what I know, whatever space you give God in your life, God will fill it. However much space you give God, and whatever that looks like for you, God will show up in your life, and God will reveal himself to you. When I first started doing this early on, I've gotta be honest, it was, it was awkward. I didn't know how to have a relationship with God. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know, like, what are the mechanics? Like, what do I say? And, and I, would, I would pray, and when I stopped thanking God for my day and this and that, I kind of ran out of words, I didn't know what to say. But all of a sudden, I, I, I just kept growing and growing in my, my relationship with God and, and through the word and through worship and through prayer and seeking God, all of a sudden I found this, this relationship beginning to form with God. God wants to meet with you, not just through another person, but he wants to reveal himself to you personally. 
The third thing that we can do in the waiting is surrender our will. Surrender our will. Jesus models this so well for us in Luke chapter 22. Jesus is facing the cross. He's in the garden of Gethsemane. He's praying. He knows his hour's about to come. He knows the, the just excruciating pain and torment and humiliation that he's going to face. And he falls to his knees and he prays to his father and he says, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Like, if there's another way, like, please tell me. But he says this, nevertheless, not my will be done but yours. We need to arrive at the place in our lives where we have this attitude. Whatever it is, God, the answer is yes. Whatever it is that you're speaking to me, whatever it is you're asking me to do, the answer is yes. Because here's what I know to be true. While you're in that waiting process and you're holding on to the promises of God and you're engaged in seeking God for a better outcome, God's gonna speak to you. And God, a lot of times, will speak to you things that, frankly, you don't wanna hear. You don't wanna do. Why? Because they're difficult and they're hard. But on the backside of that obedience always comes the blessing. On the backside of that obedience is always the breakthrough. I mean, I was just kind of coming out of an interesting season. And for three weeks straight, every time I would get in God's presence, I, I would cry. And, you know, once was a time where, like, I believed that, like, like men didn't show emotions. And maybe some of you are that way. And, and you know, maybe that's just kind of how I grew up. But it was like I, I got in God's presence, and I was so touched by what he's done in my life that, I mean, I couldn't help but just be emotional. But this was kind of extra. Like literally, like I would go to worship God and I would start crying and sometimes it was ugly crying. Sometimes I would double over and it was just kind of like all I could do to contain myself. Finally, one day I was like, God, what are you doing? Like, what do you want of me? What are you doing in me? And God spoke to me so clearly. He said, I'm tenderizing your heart for a new season. And I said, okay, that's awesome. I'm all about that. A couple nights later, my wife is, you know, sitting up in the bed really late at night and she's working on, you know, something for our staff chapel. And so I just kind of put something on the TV, probably a hiking video or something like that. And all of a sudden I fell asleep. And in this sleep, I begin to encounter warfare. And, and so I'm there and, you know, in, in this dream, I'm trembling and I'm, I'm speaking the word of God. And, and it felt very real. If you've ever had those kind of dreams, it's kind of like, wow, this, is, this feels like it's actually really happening. And then after it was over, I got up and, and I actually went in my room. And when I go in my room, she's sitting up in the dark and she's like, what's going on? And I was surprised. I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I heard you. What's happening? And I said, well, it's just warfare. It's no big deal. Go to sleep. She goes, no, tell me what's happening. I was like, I'll tell you in the morning, <laughs> okay? And so I wake up in the morning, and I, and I told her the dream. And she says, I know what it is. And I said, what? She goes, it's your dad. I said, nah, not going to happen. Because I knew what she was talking about. And I knew at that point what God was up to. And I, I've talked about my relationship with my dad, but not extensively because I've never wanted to dishonor my father. Truth is, there'd be times where I'd be on the stage and, and Pastor Jeff would be like, share a story about you and your dad. I'm like, I hadn't talked to him in three years. So it's been a real difficult thing for me. 
And uh, I go about my day, and I'm about to go home, and I just can't shake what God wants me to do. But I've already predetermined in my heart, whatever it is, God, the answer is yes. That's how I've, I've tried to live my life. And, and, and the yes doesn't always come right away. Sometimes the yes takes you know, a couple weeks or whatever, but I said, yes, I'm gonna do it. Because I know, I've, I've, I've lived this long walking with God. I know the blessings on the backside, so I'm gonna do it. I'm not gonna be disobedient. And so I go into our green room over here, and honestly, it's kind of embarrassing, but I just fall on my knees and I, I begin to cry, and they were having a meeting, and they were like, what is going on with Tyra? And you know, so they walk over there and start praying over me, and Betsy's like, you, you need to go like right now. I'm like, now? She goes, yeah, like right now. Let's go walk to your truck and call your dad. So I walk to my truck, and I, I was like, I don't know, and I'm starting to sweat. I pick up the phone, and I call my dad, and he answers. And he was shocked, you know, to hear from me. And I, I said, hey, I was like, uh, I really need to talk to you and my stepmom. And I was like, um, what time do you get home? And he told me, and I said, would you call me when you get home? I really need to have a conversation with you. Now, I've already done this a couple times. I've already went out of my way because God wanted me to do it a couple times. And it didn't end up like I wanted to. And I got really mad at God going, why'd you ask me to do that? I can only like take so much rejection. Like, why would you do that? And I thought this was gonna be the same way, but I did it anyway. And he calls me and I take a deep breath and I go into my bedroom and I start having a conversation and I, I'm so like overcome by emotion, I can barely talk. And it's just like all this and stuff is coming out of me and I didn't blame, I didn't accuse, I, I don't wanna do that, it does no one any good. But what I did was I owned my mess. And I began to repent and apologize. And all of a sudden, as I stopped talking, I hear them weeping and sobbing on the other line of the phone. And my stepmom said, Tyron, you have no idea how much of a burden has just been removed over our lives. And before we hung up, I said, I don't know where we go from here, Dad. And he's like, I don't know. I said, well, let's just take it one day at a time. And I report to you this morning that I've had more phone calls and more text messages with my dad in the last week than I have in the last five years. See, I believed a lie. And my lie was that I can't have a relationship with my dad on earth, but I have one in heaven. And that's what God was dealing with, dealing with me about. He's like, that's not true. You believed a lie. I want to encourage you, if you're seeking God and God's asking you to do something difficult, on the backside of that difficult thing that God is asking you to do is blessing, is peace, and I promise you, that's where breakthrough is found. In order to move forward and get the breakthrough you're believing for, you have to be willing to do church hard things. It doesn't get any simpler than that. We have to do the hard things. Number four, how do we engage in the waiting is stay put. We have to stay put. It's easy when we're waiting for that answer. We're waiting for that open door to get frustrated. Like as human beings, we're prone to wander. We're prone to kind of just drift if we're not really connected to God. And I think far too many people uproot their lives and themselves from the assignment that God has given them just because they're uncomfortable, 
Just because it, maybe it, it hasn't happened when you wanted it, how you wanted it, and so we get frustrated and we uproot our lives and we leave. And my question is, did God tell you to do that? Did God speak to you to do that? Have you taken that to God in prayer and fasting? Have you laid that on the altar and said, God, if you want to kill it, kill it? Have you taken maybe something that you're holding on to and said, Lord, whatever it is, Lord, if you want me to give this to you, I'll give it to you? Here's what I know to be true, is that those who have staying power bear the most fruit. Psalms 37 says this in verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. What does God want from you? What does he want from me? Faithfulness. He wants faithfulness. Stay put. Man your station. Stand your ground. Till the soil. Till, you know, tend to the field of, of your heart and whatever God has placed you in. While you're waiting, don't become impatient and restless. Stand your ground. Stay put and you will see the faithfulness of God. I think so much about our student ministry, and when we came here, 32 of us, God had put a dream in my heart as a youth pastor. And I remember God said, believe me, for a thousand young people gathering together and worshiping me and seeking me, and I'm telling you, at that time, it might as well have been 10,000. That seemed like such a big deal. And when we moved here, you know, we poured everything that we had into our students and our student ministry. And, and year after year, we were just faithful. But I gotta be honest, there were a lot of times where I didn't know if that was ever gonna come to pass. In fact, there were two or three different occasions where I wanted to quit, where I wanted to give up. It was too hard, it was too tough. The pressure was, was too much. And frankly, I didn't think I had what it took to be the one who would lead. And so I was like, Lord, you made a mistake. Maybe it's someone else. And we would hit barriers, but we kept sewing and we kept sewing. And I remember not long after we moved into this building, one night there were 1,100 and something young people filling this room. And I was on this stage and I was preaching and it was just so surreal that 16, almost 17 years earlier, God just put a dream in my heart and I was actually standing in the midst of that promise. Just because it doesn't happen today, just because it doesn't happen next year, sometimes it's five years, it's 10 years, it's 16, 17 years until you come to, it comes to pass. But I would rather believe and trust God and stand on his promise and that promise this side of heaven never come to pass than just to uproot my life and to go do something else because I was frustrated. Don't quit, stay in the game. Stand in your assignment and watch the faithfulness of God show up in your life. The fifth and final way that we can engage in this waiting process is to this, is search for his goodness. Back to Psalms 27, David says this in verse 13. He says, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Can I tell you one of the things in my life that has kept me from running, from God, from hard things, from pressure, kept me from throwing in the towel and quitting is this right here, 
that when I wanna quit and when I wanna give up on God's best for my life, and I'm just about ready to throw in a towel, I get in God's presence, and all of a sudden, God starts showing me in my life his goodness and his faithfulness. I think back to when I was you know, 18, almost 19 years old, and one night I, I decided to take my life, and I know that if God didn't show up in that moment, I wouldn't be standing here today. I look back at times where I wasn't even pursuing God. I wasn't even seeking God. I was doing my own thing, but yet God was seeking me. I look at my family today, my wife and my four children, and as a young man that gave my life to Jesus and all that I ever wanted in life was a stable home. I moved like since the fifth grade, every year I would move back and forth to another school. I had to start all over again. And I just wanted stability in my life. And so when I got saved, I, I, I wasn't trying to get noticed. I didn't care if anybody knew my name. I, I, I'm not seeking after Instagram followers. I didn't even have Instagram back then, like, right? I didn't even care about that stuff. All I cared about was I wanna be known by God, I wanna be faithful in what he's called me to do, and I wanna build a different legacy. I wanna raise a family that loves God that's not perfect. And we're not perfect, and none of us are perfect, but I can stand here today and go, I'm living in the faithfulness of God, the goodness of God in my life. Maybe you're here today, and maybe you're at McKinney or Haslett, you're watching online, and you're wondering, I don't know if God's been faithful in my life. I don't know if I searched, if I could see God's goodness in my life. Well, let me tell you, get in God's presence, and I promise you, it doesn't matter what kind of life that you've lived. It doesn't matter the mistakes that you made, where you've come from, when you get in God's presence and you generally search, you'll find God's goodness in your life. You'll find moments in your life where you're like, I didn't even realize. There were moments in my life that seemed so dark, full of abuse and neglect and whatever, so dark, and I was like, God, where are you? Years later, I got in God's presence and I saw that even in those moments, God was there. When I felt all alone that God saw me, that God was with me, let me encourage you today, if you're believing for someone who's lost, a loved one, and they're far away from God, if that's your son, your daughter, that's a grandchild, don't lose hope. Grab a hold of God's promises. Stand on that word and pray and hold God to his word. If you're believing God for a, a, a health you know, uh, change, a, a, a different report. Whose report shall I believe? I will believe the report of the Lord. His report says that I'm healed and that I'm made whole, and it's by his stripes that I'm healed. If your home right now is full of chaos and division, can I just encourage you? Fill your home with God's word. Fill your home with worship. Be a person of peace, and peace will follow you. Peace is found in God's presence because when we're waiting and we're anxious that's God's prescription for anxiety that's his prescription for fear and worry is peace is a gift but it's only found in God's presence you can go on all kinds of vacations and those are great you can take all kinds of trips you can do all kinds of things but all it will give you is temporary satisfaction and you'll still want more and more and more but I'm telling you when you get in God's presence 
and he does something in here that nothing else can do. It is an anchor to your soul, and no matter what comes your way like David, he's surrounded by his enemies. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I would have given up unless I believed that I see the goodness of God in the land of the living. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your word today, God, that all your promises are yes and amen. They're true. And God, we can grab a hold of those promises, Lord. And I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice, those in McKinney, those online, those in Haslett. God, I pray that you would speak to them about your word and that, Lord, they would grab a hold of a promise and they would stand on it. And while they're waiting, while they're in that gap, God, that they would engage the waiting process, that their faith would be activated, Lord, that they would speak your word, they would sow your seed into their life, that they would engage your presence because that's where peace is found, God, that, Lord, they would stay put and not run just because it's difficult. And God, Lord, that they would see your goodness show up in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Jesus, please don't hesitate to reach out through our website at milestonechurch.com. And if you found this podcast helpful, leave a review on the podcast app or your favorite podcast platform. We hope you have a great week.